0: Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. We have a starting quarterback and it's who most of you thought it would be. Beat writer Cody Stavenhagen from The Athletic Detroit joins me in just a minute on this week's game day segment. First a few news and notes to get us started. Cody and I recorded this segment on Monday morning and as you'll hear in a moment, we didn't expect a starter to be named at quarterback this week or even before the Notre Dame game. Just moments after I hung up with Cody and started editing this interview, the news hit that Jim made the announcement at a luncheon. I think most of us thought at least the team would know who the starting quarterback was by this week. It really didn't matter if we knew or not, I've always thought the only people that need to know before game day are the coaches and the team as i said cody and i didn't think jim would go public with the news but during the course of the interview today we both assumed Shay would be the guy the other big news on monday came from grant Newsom. in a two-page tweet he went into great detail as to why he is retiring from football medically retiring i was hoping grant would come to this decision sooner or later and i think jim and staff wanted him to be the one that made that decision with of course a lot of expert counsel he overcame a serious injury, a life-threatening injury, and almost made it back, then realized it just wasn't going to happen. So good for him. Grant Newsom has a bright future in whatever he chooses to do, and hopefully we'll get him on the show later this fall at some point to talk about this and his future. He is staying on as a graduate assistant, though. If you're like me, you have hit the wall when it comes to previews for the coming season. If you listen to this show, I think you'll agree that it seems like we've been previewing this season since January, since the bowl game ended. My guest today feels the very same way. He's ready for some game action. Up next is first-year beat writer Cody Stavenhagen from The Athletic Detroit, here on The Michigan Man, on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the vSporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's maze in Brew. back with us on uh, our game day segment as we continue the previews uh, with the season just a little bit more than a week away is beat writer cody staven from the athletic detroit great to have you back with us cody
1: yeah absolutely mike thanks for having me
0: week three of practice uh, underway next week it's game week, Notre Dame week. Do you expect there will be any news from camp this week, like who's starting at quarterback?
1: I wouldn't count on it. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is um, not scheduled to speak to the media, so we will hear from a couple of assistants, uh, and we'll hear from some players. But seeing as the the head coach is not on the media schedule. I was not expecting the announcement. Um, he will not talk again until next Monday. Even then, you know, I think it's one of those things where Look, everyone around this team has a good sense that Shea Patterson is going to be the starting quarterback. Uh, I don't expect any sort of public announcement until he runs on the field um, there against Notre Dame, but at the same time, you never know.
0: Well, last week you spoke to uh, the U of M club in New York, wrote a great piece about it in the Athletic Detroit. Uh, That was along with Michigan alum Nicole Arbach, who is the uh, fine national writer for the Athletic. And they had some good questions for you, so let's hit on a few of those for our listeners uh, that don't subscribe to The Athletic and shame on them. If Shea Patterson is the starter, and as you said, we all think he's going to be, how will his scrambling tendencies translate to a more pro-style offense?
1: Yeah, we had a, we had a great question from a, a very informed guy in the audience who actually kind of went on to elaborate and talk about how, you know, if you watch the old Miss tape, it, it was like Shea Patterson was Forced to use his legs and get out of the pocket to try to make a play um, just constantly. And the thought is, you know, in a hardball offense, something that should be a little more pro style, that's not going to be the case. So is that going to be good for him? Is that going to be bad for him? Um, and, and, you know, I've compared it, uh, made this comparison before, and I'll make it again. The Shea Patterson tape at Ole Miss reminds me so much of watching Baker Mayfield as a freshman at Texas Tech before he ever even went to Oklahoma. Um, Guys who have some some similar skill sets, uh, but I I think there's just kind of this dependency on the quarterback and those those offenses uh, weren't playing behind the best offensive lines and and more so just young quarterbacks who probably uh, had a tendency to panic a little bit or hold on to the ball a little bit too long. Um, so I think the biggest question is is how will Shea Patterson develop and how will this offense work to suit his strengths and hopefully put some makeup on whatever his weaknesses might be. I think that's up to the coaching staff just as much as it is Shea Patterson. You, you really have to hope that Jim Harbaugh and Pat Hamilton can coach him up, uh, put him in a system where, hey, Look, I don't think this is going to be a 100% traditional Jim Harbaugh you know, pro-style offense. We've heard a lot of rumblings about how Harbaugh has been more open-minded, how they're practicing some more spread-out stuff. We'll probably see some RPOs. So I think it'll uh, be designed to allow Shea Patterson to move around, to roll out every now and then, to even run um, the football. But at the same time, if it's a more... You know, just a, um, a simplified Michigan offense is something we've heard about too. Ideally, um, you want some simple route trees. You want the ball coming out of Shea's hand pretty quickly. You want some simple reads um, that can that can just take the pressure off the kids. So, in a way, uh, we'll see exactly what it looks like. But I think uh, it kind of this, uh, just a different offense, a different system, could be exactly what Shea Patterson needs to really flourish.
0: Really, and when you watch his tape at Ole Miss, you know, I I like their offense, but it reminds me of uh, a quarterback just ad-libbing as the game goes on. And I guess lack structure is uh, how I would put it. Even yeah, though, a great way to put it. Even though you're going to change the offense or tweak it, as Jim Harbaugh has been saying, you're going to give Shea that opportunity to uh, to roll it out and throw, but it's still going to have to include that power run game.
1: Yeah, no doubt. and that, and. Look, I think we will absolutely see a, a blend of that, and you can't forget that the strength of this Michigan team with Caron Higdon and Chris Evans could very well be running the ball. And for all the talk about the offensive line, this is an offensive line that uh, even last year was able to run block pretty well, and I would expect more of the same this year. So, it, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting how uh, the coaching staff is able to kind of blend those two ideas, but, I mean, I, I just think that's another thing that should be a tremendous help. Touchee Patterson is that he should have more of a run game to lean on than he did um, at Ole Miss. That that he should be able to have some of the pressure taken off of him in that way. And if you look at the Michigan film from last year, I mean, gosh, team just started loading the box because Michigan could not throw the football. So these these should this should be a symbiotic relationship uh, where the run and the pass both help each other out. Um, in an ideal world with Shea Patterson throwing the football, teams aren't going to be able to load the box. In an ideal world uh, with Coran Higdon and Chris Evans running the football, uh, teams aren't going to be able to drop you know nine guys in coverage either. So um, I, I think that's these are just some of the encouraging things about Michigan this year. We will see how it goes. This is all you know all. Um, kind of august optimism we're talking about here but i think there's a lot of reason to be encouraged that this offense should be greatly improved
0: cody you had a lot of really interesting questions uh, last week at the u of m club in new york i just want to stick with some of those for right now because one of the uh, the questions that i think about a lot is that offensive line and i ask this question myself how much of last year's problems were scheme and how much was talent? That is very tough to answer, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's it's like you almost don't know, right? Because I think there were undoubtedly issues with the offensive line's scheme where linemen felt like they were overwhelmed. They were having to make more pre snap reads than, than you know, you would in almost any system, probably even in the pros. So it's not just your center identifying the mic and and maybe working on protection. It sounds like every player had reads and calls they had to make. And the playbook was just thick and dense. And that, that made it tough for these guys to just play football, right? That made it tough for these guys who were uh, recruited to Michigan because they are really good to be themselves and, and just go block people. Um, But at the same time, you have to think those problems would not have persisted so badly uh, we wouldn't have these big question marks at the tackle spots right now if there was high-end talent. So it's it's one of those things where, look, I'm sure there are talented guys on the offensive line. Uh, I don't think any of them quite played to their potential last year. But at the same time, you just kind of scan the names. Uh, you know, on Caesar Ruiz and Ben Bredesen I think could have very good years, but I – I don't think they're all America caliber linemen. You know, I don't know that there's really that high end tier that you want. So I think it's totally reasonable to think that this line is going to be improved. Uh, But at the same time, have a whole other ceiling. It could, it could one day reach with uh, better recruiting. And I think you have a guy in Jalen Mayfield in there right now as a freshman who could one day be that top tier talent you're talking about. And I think one of Ed Warner, the new offensive line coach, one of his biggest tasks is not just to revamp this line and its terminology and its playbook, but it's also uh, to reel in some big recruits on this line and we'll see how long Warner sticks around in an assistant role, but uh, he also has a very good track record as a recruiter, and if he's able to um, get a couple of the right people in here, then, then maybe Michigan can elevate its line for years to come. So again, I, I would say it's mostly scheme, but I would also say you, just, you probably don't have that bulk of high-end talent that that you might like.
0: Well, you did a good piece last week, Cody, on Ed Warner and his many coaching stops, and there have been a lot of them, and he is so highly regarded by everyone he has ever worked with and by the players he's coached seems like wherever he's been the kids he really buy into his methods don't they
1: yeah um I, I did a whole story on you know people forget ed warner was the offensive coordinator on a kansas team that went 12 and 1 um and that was his first year as offensive coordinator and, and talked to a lot of the people around that team um who who gave ed warner a ton of credit for making that happen because he came in and he switched kansas from a traditional offense to a more of a no huddle spread offense and he developed a quarterback and Todd Reesing, And, and yeah, you hear the word teacher a lot. And, and that's um, so fitting because it sounds like that's exactly what this Michigan offensive line needs. It's just someone who can teach these guys uh, the mental aspect of the game, but also simplify it for them to where on game day, they don't have to think they can just react. It sounds like Warner is the type of guy, the type of coach um, who is perfectly suited to make that happen and yeah that's why he's been successful with all his many stops uh his coaching trajectory is interesting Not long ago he was you know offensive coordinator at ohio state um and then he, he was at minnesota for a year and now he's here and obviously he's coached at notre dame and he's coached at army and navy and in and, and all kinds of places but he has he's been successful um, everywhere he's been and and I don't think there's any reason to believe he won't be uh, successful at Michigan as well.
0: And the thing is with the offensive line we have thought about this talked about it analyzed it since last January after the bowl game and we just are not going to know until we uh, tee it up in a couple of weeks against Notre Dame but I know Michigan fans don't like to hear this but I, when when you look at okay if Shea Patterson's the quarterback you look at the uh, the running backs the wide receivers that we have does this offensive line have to be great or just good for this offense to be successful?
1: Um, yeah, I, th- I think if you have a good offensive line, it can be a successful offense. Um, and that's also, you know, depending on how good Shea Patterson can be. Is he a good quarterback or is he a great quarterback? Um, and but, but it's important to remember that those two things can be very closely related. Shea Patterson's job will be a heck of a lot easier uh, in his first year here in Michigan, if he's playing behind a great offensive line. Uh, now, I would tend to say, I think, I, I don't know that I would expect Michigan's offensive line to be great by any means, but I think if it's good, if it's adequate, if you give a good quarterback enough time, um, enough room to do what he can do, and then just given the running backs you have, I think Michigan can certainly thrive offensively. Uh, but in an ideal world, yeah, you want, you want that great, dominant offensive line that's just not letting guys through, uh, but I, I don't see that happening um, at Michigan this year. I think you'll have to settle for um, you know a, a good offensive line, and there's nothing wrong with that either.
0: Well, Cody, last week in the same piece, uh, you mentioned names of some sleepers to watch on both sides of the ball, and that was uh, starting with defensive tackles Aubrey Solomon and Michael Dwumfor. Why do you consider them sleepers?
1: Yeah, these are guys we've been hearing about since the spring, since since before I was even uh, on the Michigan beat. Guys mm-hmm. who um, will have opportunities to start and uh, really embrace them in the spring and now into the fall. I think Blumford in particular is a guy who could end up being an all-conference type player um, there on the interior of Michigan's defensive line. Um, and, and you just look at that position group where you already have Rashawn Gary and Chase Winovich on the ends. You have Greg Madison, a veteran and an experienced coach that those tackles are going to be in great positions to thrive I think they're both great athletes and talented players who uh, really could be on the precipice of a breakout year
0: well running back Berkeley Edwards you see as a deep sleeper you like what he might contribute on special teams don't you
1: yeah it's it's, you know it's tough to know with Berkeley Edwards a lot of people aren't super high on him he's played at minnesota and central michigan and he wasn't overly successful at either of those places he wasn't recruited out of michigan um in high school but uh he is actually the most experienced special teams player kick returner on this team did a lot of it at central michigan and i think that's something the wolverines need they ranked uh i think it might have been in the hundreds in kick return and they weren't much better in punt return. Um, and, and Berkeley Edwards brings a little bit of shiftiness. He brings some experience and just knowing how to do it. Um, so, so we'll see what happens. I don't think he's going to be a star by any means, as I mentioned in the story, but he's a guy, man, I just would not be surprised if he makes one or two big, uh, ex- explosive plays this season whether it's on special teams or maybe even out of the backfield.
0: Well, defensive back Miles Sims is on your sleeper list. He's a freshman, but from what we hear, they like him a lot, Cody.
1: Yeah, a guy who came in as an early enrollee and, and really worked hard in the spring. Don Brown's looking to get, you know, another guy in this defensive back rotation. And talking to some of the other DBs, they've they've dished out a lot of praise to Miles Sims. And it, it sounds like he is the most advanced of this freshman group um, along with Jalen Mayfield, I really think those are the two freshmen who are probably best suited to maybe get some early playing time this year and show what they can do. Uh, Sims obviously has a lot of very good defensive backs in front of him, but Michigan got, needs a guy to help out in you know, nickel sets or um, even just a guy to give another, another player a break during the game. I think Miles Sims might be the type of guy who can, uh, step in there and, and contribute a good amount as a freshman.
0: Well, you also mentioned uh, Josh Uche, who might be a sleeper, but he sure isn't a secret. Uh, both Jim Harbaugh and Don Brown have raved about this kid since camp opened, even before. As you said, though, with Michigan's linebacking corps, uh, the question is going to be, how do you get him on the field?
1: Yeah, Don Brown made an interesting comment talking with uh Uchi after the Outback Bowl, where Uchi essentially said, "Hey, I, you know, I want to play more. Why am I not playing more?" And then Don Brown said, "Well, you have to go earn it." And then Don Brown said, "He's earned it." Uh, but then you look at the depth chart, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not exactly sure <laughs> where that playing time is going to come. I mean, I know, uh, obviously, Don Brown likes to get very creative and, and uh, mix and match personnel, and uh, I, I think there will be certainly some formations that can use Uchi's uh skill set. But but yeah, it's it's just tough because this is a very talented defense. Now I think Josh Uchi is a very improved player, a guy who really has some great physical tools and can fly around and hit people and really could end up thriving in this defense. But it's just a matter of when and where. Um that said, the beautiful thing about all this is this is football and you never know uh, when someone could get hurt or when you're going to need an extra body. So I think Michigan definitely has that um, here with its with its linebacking core.
0: With us on our game day segment this week as we continue our previews in advance of the, uh, the Notre Dame opener is beat writer Cody Hagen from the Athletic Detroit. Cody, uh, you and I both think we need a third receiver to step up behind Tariq Black and Donovan Peoples-Jones, who themselves have a lot to prove this year. But there are some good young athletes behind them that are going to get their chance, aren't there?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I've I mentioned um, Oliver Martin and Nico Collins. And I think uh, even since I wrote that, I've heard more and more about how impressive Nico Collins has looked on the practice field. So I think that's a, a young receiver who has a 6'4 frame, just a big body, who could really be exactly what Michigan needs, which maybe is a little bit more of a possession-type receiver who can also go make a play over the top or in the red zone. Um, with Donovan Peoples-Jones and Tariq Black coming back, I think you you can feel pretty good about them. Um, you have Grant Perry, too, who uh, obviously people know about, but has a chance, I think, a whole other level. He could take his game to a chance to be improved. So I think with those three, you're going to have three pretty solid targets. I think you need to develop a fourth guy beyond that, especially if you're going to... Uh, maybe play in some four receiver sets with Shea Patterson as your quarterback I don't know if that will happen but I wouldn't rule it out um, and and it's starting to sound more and more like Nico Collins could be that guy uh, and then Aldo Martin I also wouldn't count out a guy who was uh, normally, formerly the number one overall recruit in the state of Iowa very highly touted fast guy uh, it sounds like it took him a little bit last year to come in and grasp the playbook grasp the offense all that typical stuff you hear with freshmen now he's got that under his belt it'll be interesting to see how he can develop it heading into another season
0: well another interesting question you were asked at the U of M club in New York last week was is there a game on the schedule other than the obvious ones like Michigan and Ohio State and Wisconsin and Penn State that could be a trap game and I agree with you on this one Northwestern could easily be that game, couldn't it?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, Northwestern just traditionally has given Michigan a hard time. And you look at that program still has a lot of momentum under, under Pat Fitzgerald. Um, And and that, that was just kind of going off the schedule um, saying, Hey, if there's one of these games, I'm really not sure about it's It's got to be Northwestern. Right. And then after that, I went back and, and did a little more research and, Uh, I I think it's a matchup that uh, I don't know that favors Northwestern in terms of talent but Northwestern has to like uh, kind of what it sees on paper because that's a team that has a very experienced front seven a good defensive line, good linebackers uh, theoretically that could attack the weakness that may or may not be Michigan's offensive line so you know I could easily imagine a game where maybe Michigan starts out a little slow Leighton needs leads um, Northwestern to an early touchdown. Mm-hmm. And then they start dialing up some blitzes, and maybe they hit Shea Patterson a time or two. Maybe he throws a pick. Uh, and and that's a game where I would not want to trail early. Um, it'll be in Evanston, which, hey, I'm well aware, okay, that's not the, the greatest home field advantage, but it's still a home game. You know, uh, I'm sure Northwestern would rather play there than in the big house. And there, there's just a lot of factors where, I would say, hey, watch out. You know, when when Michigan shows up that day, uh, that's not a game in which I would want to be trailing early because if you do, you might not recover. You might not get back in it.
0: Well, on another topic, Cody, this week, uh, Ohio State will make their decision, supposedly, on the fate of uh, Coach Urban Meyer. Would you be shocked if they parted ways with Urban?
1: I don't know if shocked is the word. I would probably be surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, something just tells me they're probably not going to totally cut ties with the guy uh, maybe a, a three or four game suspension is, is something I could see where they can kind of convey it as, Hey, you obviously messed up. We're going to punish you for this, but we're not going to need to fire you because you are urban Meyer and you're a really good football coach. Um, so obviously it's, it's not an ideal situation for anyone. Uh, and, and I don't know, I would say I would be surprised if Ohio state came out and said, we're really going to hold uh urban meyer and the entire football program accountable for for what happened with zach smith uh but that just seems like a little bit of a stretch in college football um with a coach like urban meyer i think if it were a lesser coach they would probably part ways with him but that's not the case um that's that's just kind of my take though that's not really informed at all so we will we will see what happens there are probably only a few people on earth who really know and that's you know that's ohio state's administration
0: and what about the situation in maryland with coach durkin you would think that uh, has to have resolution in the next week too
1: yeah i think that's one where uh, maryland's administration is just kind of right waiting for all the right pieces to fall in place um, in theory so they could fire dj durkin uh with cause and save a lot of money through the terms of his contract uh, based on the reports that have come out and um, obviously, the depth of, of a player in summer workouts. It sounds like D.J. Jerkin's time at Maryland is is probably running short, um, and that's leading to a lot of other questions about you know his time at Michigan and his time at Stanford and his ties with Jim Harbaugh. So that's very interesting to keep an eye on. Uh, but but yeah, they, uh, there could easily be two teams in the Big Ten that, that start this season with mm-hmm. um, interim head coaches.
0: Well, for the beat writers, Cody, this has been a long three weeks. Uh, very limited access yeah. to staff and players. Was it that way at Oklahoma last year when you covered the Sooners?
1: I think all these major college programs are very much the same in terms of the way they operate. I would, I would. So, so there are kind of pros and cons everywhere, right? Um, Oklahoma, there was no practice access. There was, you know. Um, a lot of information that was being locked down. I would say here, the good thing is you can talk to assistant coaches a lot more. Um, uh, I would say defensive players in particular are, are very good quotes and actually have been a little more insightful than, uh, players usually were at Oklahoma, but, uh, the head coach talked a lot more at OU, um, whether he said anything of merit or not, it, <laughs> Maybe not, but, but the, the coach was out there and talked, I think, uh, probably twice a week during fall camp, so you at least felt a little more in the loop, um, and I think the biggest thing is, is the way interviews are conducted. So far at Michigan, it's been kind of one guy at a time, and there are 15 to 20 people around them, and it's like, okay, no one no one can really get much out of this, mm-hmm. where it's out of OU, They would bring out you know several players at a time, and media members could spread around and talk in smaller groups, maybe even one-on-one to, um, you know, not so much to get information about what's going on in camp, but to maybe do a nice feature on the guy. That's been a lot harder to do so far at Michigan um, during camp. And obviously Harbaugh really has only talked once. Um, and then anything involving the offense and, and the quarterback situation has been kind of clouded in this secrecy. So, you know, to a degree that's, hey, like I get it. That's the way it goes. To another degree, we've heard more uh, really after the DJ jerkin stuff came out how you know how much is this okay? how much is it okay for these programs to close off everything to the media and the public and kind of operate in this total secrecy where we're just told to take their word for everything that's going on and trust that nothing you know nothing um, uh, bad is happening mm-hmm. behind closed doors it's, it's a, it, it makes you wonder, I don't think I'm ever someone who's going to cry and complain about access too much, uh but certainly, of course, I would like more of it and, and yeah, it does make you wonder, you know uh why be so secret you know why why hide what you're doing from the public? I feel like that could only encourage um you know, I don't know that that's necessarily necessarily encouraging anything good um all that said i'm I'm very ready for game week and uh back to kind of a normal structure for some news to actually come out uh, and, and more than anything to watch a football game. So so I think that will be very good to get through these last couple of weeks and uh, head to South Bend and, and watch uh, some Michigan football.
0: Well, amen to that. I think a lot of folks feel that way. For those of our listeners who don't know, this is Cody's first year on the Michigan beat for the Athletic Detroit. He's doing a great job, and that's a subscription-based site that does a wonderful job covering not only Michigan, but so much more. I'll have the information up on my show notes page. Cody, thanks for joining us. We'll get you back in a couple of weeks, and by then, we'll have a much better idea what kind of Michigan team we have. So we look forward to that next visit, Cody.
1: Yes, absolutely. Thanks very much for having me. And I would just say uh, keep an eye on the athletic. I think my best stories are totally uh, yet to come. I think hopefully there will be some good ones in the next couple of weeks and uh, well beyond that um, too. So thanks for having me. And, And just like everyone else, I am looking forward to this
0: season. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio a member of the V Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, once again, no injuries to report as of this morning. Maybe later this week we'll get an update. Michigan's three-game exhibition series in Spain got off to a successful start behind 17 points from freshman forward Ignis Brasdikas. The Wolverines took care of business and dispatched the Madrid Generals 82-72 in Madrid. Interim head coach Sadi Washington, who is filling in for John Beeline as he recovers from heart surgery, used a starting lineup of junior guard Xavier Simpson, sophomore guard Jordan Poole, redshirt junior wing Charles Matthews, sophomore forward Isaiah Livers, and junior center John Teske. The Wolverines have two games left in Barcelona later this week as they wrap up a week in Spain. The season is coming up fast, as you all know. Make sure you have our free show app so you can join us for the latest news on your Wolverines each week. During the season, our Michigan Game Day segment will feature one of our beat writers, broadcasters, or former players. Then on Thursday, we'll hear from someone that covers the opposition, we call it the Visitor's Edition of the show. Our free show app is available from the iTunes and Google Play Store. And you can also hear each show on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart, TuneIn, and Wolverine Sports Radio. Later this week, we'll have this month's Michigan Man Extra for you. Our scheduled guest is National College football writer from The Athletic, Nicole Arbach, who also happens to be a Michigan alum, so I hope you'll uh, join us for that. I'll give you a heads up on Twitter and Facebook. It will either be Friday or Saturday. By that time, I'll have a better idea who will be joining us on next week's show, too, as we begin our previews of that big game down in South Bend. So hang in there, gang. It's almost here. That will do it for another show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until we meet again next week, take care, and as always, Go Blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man. Here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the vSporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maize and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com.